Happy Friday. Wait a second. It's Thursday. That's right. Because this is the week. If you're looking for a sign to head to Vegas for the Let's Talk Dubs one crazy weekend, this is it. Get in your car, put your crap together, drag that Volkswagen down here, and be part of the one crazy weekend here in Las Vegas. It starts tomorrow night at 6 o'clock with a strip cruise at 6 o'clock, followed by another strip cruise at 9 o'clock, and then Saturday morning kicks off a car show at the Orleans Hotel and Casino on the west side parking lot. We'll be having a car show over there, top 20 picked, and one best of show. After the show wraps up around 1 o'clock, you got a little break. And for that break, go get rested up because at 5.30 to 6 o'clock to be announced on the day to confirm, the Let's Talk Dubs and the Wagon Poker Run begins. That's right. Brought to you by Finley Volkswagen, Ross Wolf, Dan Volks, The Lab, Pedalworks, and Sunkiss Graphics. Those guys have sponsored the event, so support them, and you get to go on the one crazy weekend poker run. That's right. For 50 bucks on Saturday night, you get your chance to win $2,000 that's available for first, second, and third place. $1,500 cash for first place, $300 cash for second, $200 cash money for third place. I'm telling you guys right now, you never had a funner time in your Volkswagen, especially in the city of lights, Sin City, Las Vegas, greatest city in the United States of America, and the city that brings you Let's Talk Dubs each week. So step up, pay homage, and get your butt down here to Let's Talk Dubs one crazy weekend. I didn't leave you hanging. It just wasn't some phony baloney introductory podcast, a little short deal there. Nope. You get the full deal. That's right. I bring it to you every week. The full deal. We got a podcast this week with Stacy Size Love. Stacy's been in the VW game for a long time. And if the name sounds familiar, you should know who he is. He's the engine builder down at Old Speed in Paramount, California. Shout out to my boy Russell, one of my longtime buddies. Been in the game for a long time. Stacy's been over there building all the motors that come out of that joint. All the compound built motors. That's right. Stacy's your guy who builds them. So we take a deep dive into Stacy's history from small car parts to having his own little thing to where he's now at Old Speed. What it takes to build a motor, his favorite engine combinations, and some of his history throughout all this time. How he learned, we learned. We talk about cranks. We talk about all kind of stuff. It's a great podcast. You're going to enjoy it. Like you don't enjoy any of them. You love them all. I love them. So I hope you guys like them too. Because if not, I guess you should find better something better to do with an hour and a half. But anyway, I'm sure you guys dig it. I dig it. And I'm glad that you guys are enjoying it. And because of that, if you're missing out the one crazy weekend poker run and VW driving events that are happening here in Las Vegas and the big old get together, don't forget the meet and greet Friday night. Man, it's going to be a good time. I'm super stoked. I'm pumped. And today it's Thursday and I'm out doing calisthenics, getting prepped, stretching out, getting limbered up for this weekend. It's going to be a fantastic time. And I look forward to seeing all of you guys that are coming to town for it. You're going to have a great time as well, too. So if you can't make it down, that's a bummer. But if you want to support the podcast, don't forget to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll get up a video after this weekend so you guys can see what you did miss. And you can support the podcast by going to letstalkdubs.com, click on the merch page, buy some merch. Next week, there'll be posters and t-shirts for the event available for sale, but not so fast, not for the poker run. The poker run shirts, when you see somebody wearing a poker run shirt, you know they're exclusive because they ran the poker run. So if you've got that shirt for the one crazy weekend poker run, you know that guy's got street cred. He drove all over Vegas trying to win him some money. So I'm looking forward to it, guys. Let's get into it this week. Stacy Size Love from Old Speed. Let's talk dubs. A Volkswagen is a nice station wagon.
Okay, everybody. So today on my on my trip, my adventures in the West Coast, right? Uh, all the way from Southern Nevada, I drove all the way to almost three hours, about three hours to Paramount, California, drop some stuff off for Zorba the Gia. You guys know that I'm building. And while I was down here, I wanted to grab some FaceTime with some of the guys down here in Southern California. One of the more prominent shops down here is Old Speed. And if you've had a motor come out of Old Speed, I'm positive that Stacy's hands have been on us so on today's podcast. I got Stacy size love uh, over here at Old Speed. Stacy, welcome to the podcast. Hi, how you doing? <laughs> so the way we start the podcast every single time the same way is what's your VW story and how did you get into Volkswagens? Wow. When I was 15, I bought my first Volkswagen and brought it home. My dad was a Corvette guy. Yeah. He, he almost didn't let me put it in the driveway. and But he did help me build the motor. Yeah. And... Uh, I fell in love with them, and I pretty much owned about 200 cars in my lifetime, and just from shop to DPR to here to... And what was what year was the first bug? My first bug was a 64. Yeah. And I cut... It was a cherry, and I cut it all up, made a Baja out of it, because back then it was like... Just, yeah, that, that was the rage, right? What, and, year, what year is this that you're doing this? Oh, uh, wow. So you're, you're... Well, my first car was a sand rail. When I was 15, that's what I brought home. Yeah. And then my first Baja would have probably been about, I was probably about 17, so it would have been 74. So 1974, yeah. you got you get your first car, and you're you're bombing around, and you decide like, hey, here's this nice 64 bug. What color was it? It was green. <laughs> and I hacked all up, bent, the, like, bent the hood and the fenders up and shut them in the trash. Because wow. back then it was like there were just so many of them. And where did you grow up? I grew up in, I was born and raised yeah. over here in Long Beach. Yeah. And I grew up in Cyprus. And uh, at 21, I bought my first house in Alta Loma and yeah. then was doing motors and cars out of there. And now, uh, you know, being in Southern California, obviously the, the, the big ticket was to get into Volkswagens. Correct. And then getting into those cars, you know, that's the high school scene and all this stuff. How do you take that? I mean, obviously, when you get into Volkswagens as a young man, you have to learn to work on these yourself. Was your dad a mechanic? My kind of dad car? was. My dad had a drag boat. He was into Corvettes. Like so, since I was five years old, I was in the garage watching him build motors and do stuff. So he helped me along. I mean, I, I rebuilt my first mini bike when I was probably seven years old. The motor in it. Oh, really? Well, I didn't. You know, he helped me. Right. Dad helped you yeah. oversaw, but so, dad was a kind of mechanical guy. And absolutely. Then, and he then could do anything. So. No, that's awesome. But he was Corvette guy. So what's he say when you bring home a Volkswagen? Not much. He wasn't happy about it because he's an American kind of guy. But he did help me through it, you know. And it was a learning experience for him too because building a V8, which I built probably half a dozen V8s, is a yeah. lot different than building a Volkswagen. You know, and Volkswagen now, is. But with it, with you bringing home the Volkswagen, what made you pick a Volkswagen? Was it just because it was cheap, well, affordable, it was a, or? It was a sand rail. I wanted a sand rail because my buddy all had sand rails and I found this sand rail. And, and where, was, are you, where are you driving sand rails out here? In, uh, well, we used to go, um, my dad's partner had a big trailer, and uh-huh. he'd ha- take us to Glamis. Oh, so you, I've been going to Glamis since 71, probably. I mean, that's a haul, going from here to Glamis. Hey. That's a little bit of distance. It's worth it. <laughs> when you're 15, so you just ride on your buddy's, your buddy's dad's trailer, like, hey, he just had a stacker or he, what? He had just a big, long, flatbed trailer, and then he had a camper in his truck, and he'd haul us all down, and we'd camp right on the highway on top of... Um, on Gecko Road? Hill. No, oh, yeah. Gecko Road wasn't even there then. Oh, really? We kept around the main highway right overlooking Competition so, Hill. So for you, the first car was more like, uh, it was more like just kind of a play toy type thing? Correct. And then 
you're now getting close to high school age. Now is everybody at this time in high school they've got they, they've got Volkswagens. Like Volkswagens are the cool thing. I mean, it's just getting the, the hobby's really in '75. It's really starting to ramp up, right? Yeah, a little bit. I had a Chevy van actually in high school because my dad wouldn't let me get by a Volkswagen van. A Chevy and, van. That seems like there'd be more trouble for a kid in high school. But it was a six-cylinder, so I was all right. <laughs> well, I'm just talking about oh, the van. Oh. <laughs> well, yeah, but you know, my dad was like, whatever. My mom wasn't keen about it, but so. And then uh, we've always had the sand cars. I don't think it, there's been a day in my life I haven't had at least one Volkswagen. Really? I mean, I have like probably seven right now. Really? You know, it's you, just. So you've got the you've got the issue. You've got the problem. I tried. I actually. My stepfather has a machine shop, and I tried for about four years to get away from Volkswagens. Yeah. And I couldn't do it. I just, you know, I was working on them at home, which I still do. Yeah. And it just got to the point where I just, you know, I don't want to be sitting in an office in a machine shop. I want to. So now how do you how do you enter? Because obviously you're, uh, so for those of you guys that don't know, like you're like, who's Stacy? Stacy's full of size and love. His last name's Size Love, which is unbelievable. It's like, everybody knows him as Stacy, but Stacy Size Love is the guy that he builds uh, the majority of the motors that go in the compound built cars, right? You've been building a lot of motors. I mean, how many motors you built to be exact? Uh, I built almost 1,400 big motors. Since? Since 88, I started keeping track. Right. You just started- yeah, I just started keeping track in 88. So there's motors before that. We do all of Fluffy Glacius. Uh-huh. Gabriel Glacius Fluffy. We, yeah. we do all of his motors. I've done a dozen motors for Seinfeld. Yeah. I've done motor for um, Forrest Gump. Yeah. And... Um, Foos. I've done a motor for Foos. I used to build a motor for Jack Getty when he was a little kid. Really? So you, <laughs> I, I asked you earlier if you know Adam Wick. You said you knew Adam and all those I knew guys. Adam when he was a kid because when I worked at small cars, these guys used to hang out there. I mean, they were kids. Now, you got the, you, so you've got the, you, you've get your Volkswagen, you're in high school, you got your Baja. When do you get your first job at a VW shop? Um, Would have been small car. Early 80s. So small cars close to your house or that was just the spot? It like was, if you want to be VW, that's where you got to well, work. Well, when I was building my cars, uh, small cars especially started out on Beach Boulevard in Buena Park. I mean, that's back in the 70s. And then I got friends with Sammy, which is Rancho Tranny. Mm-hmm. You know, I know Sammy really well. And then they moved to Anaheim and then I end up, you know, building motors for them and work for them until they went out of business. And then, like I said, I worked for DPR for a while and I've Work by myself doing motors for years. You now, know. but so working for a small car, right? You get a job there. What's your first job? Uh, I'm working. I was working in the uh, um, shipping department. Yeah. But I had a really cool deal with the owner. I was building motors at home. So I'd build almost a big motor a night at home. Really? But I was young then. You know, I could work 10 hours and go home and work another. But and also when you're working, when, when you're doing this in the 70s, what, where is the technology level at? Like, um, well, you know, my time working in a small car, we had the first, I was involved with the first two cars that ran 1040s for post-sedans back then. What cars What cars are those? Well, that was Kent Dahlberg's race car. Kent? Kent Kent Dahlberg. He's the owner of small cars. His post-sedans, red and white, it's really a cool car. And then I helped with, um, I don't remember the other car. It was, it was. But those were the first cars in the 10-second quarter mile. 1040s. 1040s. Yeah, back in the early 80s. And they were all because of Guy Bryant, because he's an amazing headporter. Yeah. So uh, I made the reliability. He made the horsepower. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of the guys, I mean, this is in the cutting edge of head design for VWs, right? Like everybody's 
head technology is where it's out. Everybody's trying to find the power. Well, and carburetors, because back then we made 240 horsepower on 48 IDAs, and that was like, you know, off on the chart. Dynode. Dyno. We had our own dyno. Really? And it was actually 247. And because, come to find out, that's why Jack started making the 62s. The carburetors are not big enough to make that kind of horsepower. Jack's making 320 now or something like that with a carburetor. Naturally motor. aspirated? It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, but, that's that's a ton of power but it's it's like anything it's technology you know i mean he's learned a lot so when you're working there when you're building motors when you're saying big motors in the 70s and like late 70s at home these are mostly just slip in skirt 1641s or are these like they're strokers so are you doing are you doing roller bearing cranks and all this kind of stuff no i no? never did the roller bearing cranks i wasn't a fan really well they're good for an off-road car but they're heavy but i mean you were there back then when those Correct. things came out but we didn't do them we did all all DPR made all our cranks. We did all welded cranks. And back then it was Porsche Journal. We did, you know, 82, 86, 78, 4. Yeah. You know, basically 86 was about as big as I went back then. Right. So. So 86 stroke, kind of way to crank. These are all cut and welded cranks. Correct. Volkswagen cranks that have been welded on. Yeah. Now, DPR, I know, uh, I think it's Jose's over there. Correct. Jose's the owner. Has it now. Been, who owned it back then? Um, I can't remember the fellow's name. Dell. Uh-huh. I don't remember his last name. And I worked for him for oh, four or five years. Welding cranks, grinding cranks, you know. Wow, what a job. I mean, wel- welding cranks and, and all that stuff and grinding cranks, that's, I mean, that's kind of where you're cutting your teeth, right? Like in the machining world, like, hey, you, oh, it was we're awesome. going to teach you to do learning, this. Learning, learning tolerances and, you know. And then over the years, building motors, you know what works on side clearance. And you just, it's just. I mean, it's like anything. It's a learning experience. Really. So for some of those listeners that, that don't understand welding a crank, like when we were talking about welding cranks like that, some people may be listening and don't understand what we're talking about. We're talking about taking a stock 69 crank, and where do you cut it? You cut at the journal? No, you don't cut it. What they do is they weld on the top side of the journal, and they set the machine up. So you're actually, when you grind it, you're grinding off the old journal and the weld. So you're just moving the whole journal up. Oh, get out of here. Yeah, it's a trip. So hold on a second. So 60, <laughs> 69 to 86 millimeter crank that's uh you're you're about 17 millimeters is that right i don't 76, know 76 yeah. yeah let me let, let me get uh yeah yeah so that would be like a 78 so so you're so, like 20 millimeters so you're like so i would take a crank almost and, an inch and here's the top of the journal we had a welding machine we turned back and forth and we just keep welding on the top, so you'd weld on the top side of the journal. Right. Then when you set up the machine, you're grinding more off the bottom, less off the top to but change re, the stroke. You're, you're recircling the, the... You're changing the stroke. You're making it bigger. I've made 90 cranks. So here's how much I know. I, I'm sitting here thinking when they're cutting <laughs> and welding cranks... They don't cut them. No, no, no. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking they're doing. I'm thinking, I'm thinking they're taking cranks, cutting the journals... This is how dumb I am. I mean, I've never spent the time to, to figure it out. And this is why I do the podcast. It makes sense. I want you guys to know the reason I do the podcast is so that I can learn this stuff and you guys are along for the trip. It totally makes but, sense. But that's so. what I thought. I thought what they would do is they would have offset plates, cut the journals, re-weld them offset. That's what I thought they were welding. No, there's this really cool machine. It's a submerged welder. And you just roll the kink back and forth. And just keep adding on top of the journal to what size stroke you're going to go. And then we put a machine and rough grind it to size and then finish grind it with a different wheel. So you're just totally moving the journal up. And then you would typically, because you're making them so big, that's one of the that's one of the other reasons you would add a counterweight to it. Counterweight makes the crank not wobble as much, right? So it's better in the center main, easier on the case. But if you're going to add that much material, at some point you're going to see it. Yeah. It's going to stick above the casting, right? Oh, it, it sticks above. It does. 
So the the counterweight kind of hides that a little bit. Well, it's not a matter of hiding it because the counterweights aren't on that journal. They're on the next journal over on the backside. See what I know? Yeah. I'm not even paying attention. But no, it, it makes them spin freer. And like they did the full circle cranks, which I'm not a fan of because all you're doing is counterweighting the counterweights. Well, yeah, that's what Berg said. The full circles are junk. Well, all you're doing is making more weight. Right. I mean, it's cool for torque. I mean, I mean that's like a roller crank. Roller kick cranks are really nice for an off-road car because it makes super great torque yeah on the drag motors we use a crank that's got holes drilled through the journals like trying to light them up so i've also i've often heard about the the and i don't know if you haven't experienced this but i heard on those roller bearing cranks the old sbgs if you revved it high and sidestepped the clutch, you would twist it right off the dowels. I've heard that that's because that's how they're, they're pressed together. They're assembled just like a motorcycle crank. And what these guys would do, the good guys, is they would spot weld them on the, you know, where the they, pin goes through. They would they'd spot weld it to twist keep some it tags together. On to keep so they won't twist. As far as that goes, like I said, I've never used them, so mm-hmm. I don't know. So now you're back there. Small car at the time is one of the premier shops in Southern California. How many guys they have working there? Wow. We had like seven salesmen at one time. Seven salesmen? salesmen? Seven counter guys. There was three of us in shipping. We would ship a minimum. I mean, in the early 80s, we had two huge warehouses, one just for storing parts. We'd ship minimum 100, 120 boxes out a day in shipping. Wow. And the counter would do probably five to 10 grand a day in cash. Just the counter. Our small car, remember our showdowns? Yeah. I, I used to work all the showdowns and- I can remember Corky, the manager, I was upstairs and he had the safe turned on its back and was jumping up around the door trying to get the door to shut because there was so much cash in it. That's insane. Dude, we did so much money. It was nuts. That place was And so how long did you work at Small Car? Probably nine years, eight or nine years. And you, you enjoyed working there? I really did. What what in in from the time you started there to the time you worked there, you started as kind of a grunt. Well, I started or sales I always guy worked or in warehouse. the shipping, uh-huh. and then I you know started doing motors. And what was cool about Kent? Kent was a really neat guy back then. Um, I had a race Manx and a drag car, mm-hmm. and whatever you broke, whatever you needed, just go take it off the shelf because I did all his motors and all his you know we kept his race car going. And he just, he was cool. Whatever you needed. I mean, he'd pay our gas. We went all the way to Denver. He paid everybody's gas and everything. So he, he was an enthusiast. Yeah, he drove his own car. But I mean, like he was really into the VW scene. Is that what he started? I mean, where does a guy like that just start out of nowhere? Did he get lucky? Was he the first one in? Like He started at the original small car on Beach Boulevard. Mm-hmm. CB Performance owned that store. Oh, really? Claude? Yeah, Claude's Claude buggy. And then he made some kind of deal. That was before me. And he ended up buying it. And then CB went up north. And then, you know, Kent opened the building in Anaheim. And, I mean, we used to get, we had a shop bus that we would send to CB once a week just to get Delorto's. That thing would be packed to the scene with just Delorto kits. From CB? From CB. Wow. But you could buy Delorto's for $160 back then. For a set? Complete set. (laughs) Carpenters, manifolds, and everything. Stuff was so cheap. That's crazy. It's nuts. Well, it's not cheap because back then your weekly paycheck was one hundred and sixty bucks. So just, today your just, weekly check's a thousand bucks. How much your car? It's just harder when it's well, yeah. <laughs> it's just harder when a set of pistons and barrels is you know which you can't find right now is four hundred dollars. You know, yeah. I mean, we used to buy Molly's for under hundred bucks. Yeah, it's That's, just it's insane. It is, and so. Your process, so you work from beginning to end, doing starting in the shipping, working the engines, and build start building motors there, like for for a check. That's where you're building motors for a check, or never for a check, just for the guys. No, I at first I started building. You know, I can't need this, and I did it, and then I started 
you know, because he but needed me. At sh- there's a part missing here. Who taught you how to build engines? My father. But a VW engine. Well, he helped me with my first one. Right. And then I built probably three or four before I ever started a small uh-huh. car. So I kind of had a rough, you know, and I was He's, building 1600s for a while. And, and, and we're talking assembling, assembling right. engines. It, but I mean, there's a difference between an engine assembler and an engine builder. Right. Well, see, my father built V8s. Yeah. I mean, he blueprinted them. He balanced them. He checked all the, you know, decks. So he, on the, he knew what you needed to know. Correct. I right. mean, building the motors, you know, they're different motors, but it's pretty much the same you got to know the same stuff. Right. There's there's the muscle memory aspect of assembling and disassembling the case. That's You know, and the geometries and setting the cam degrees and all that stuff. I've learned a lot of that on my own, but from my father's knowledge, you know. And who's, at the time you worked for Small Car, like, who's their biggest competition? Like, who's, who are the people? Well, you- it was really great because Gene Berg back then, which I love Gene Berg, uh, you know, wouldn't you- Did it? you know Gene? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we had a few disagreements over his counter. He wouldn't use 94 cylinders. Right. He would not use a used case. If it had to be line board, he bought a new case. But they were 100 bucks back then. Right. You know? So he was the go-to, the fastest, whatever. Well, our pro sedan started beating his pro sedan. And he got a little mad at that because we were going faster and he was going. But it was funny. But so I have a lot of Gene what, Berg stuff. He's what's great. The first time, when's the first time you meet Gene Berg? And is Gene Berg at this time a known name? Or he's up and coming like you guys are. Like everybody's like the new kids. It's the new kids, the new well, hobby. I would have met him everything. in the. I probably knew Gene in the late seventies, early eighties, whenever he first opened that shop, but not on a you know friendly Personal basis. basis. Yeah, because mm-hmm. he's not a real warm and fuzzy kind of guy. Right. Um, but he's very knowledgeable. But he has his own opinion on everything. Yeah. And uh, his way is the right way, and there is no other way. Yeah, for so. sure. There's only there's only one way to do it. Yeah, and it's his way. Exactly. We can, we can pause for a second if you need right. to. So we're talking about the first time, the first time you meet Gene Berg. Yes, I was probably buying rockers or something because his rockers were the bomb back then. Yeah, and um, he wasn't real warm, fuzzy, fuzzy, but he was a knowledgeable guy, you know. And he was. I mean, think about it. You're you're probably he's a little older than you. Yes. So he's probably the adult in the room and all these teenage kids come in and tell him how to do things. And I could tell you what I've learned over the years in the Volkswagen industry. You hear the same stuff over and over and over. And he's probably heard it all. You yeah. Know? So he was just kind of waiting for something new to come up. Yeah. So, and it didn't. And so the big players at the time in that arena wow. is small car. And then like you guys are one of the drags or you guys are up against or who's the shop you guys are up against. Is there any other shops? Well, there's R&R Machine uh-huh. was one of our racers against us um well there was a couple of Volkswagen shops you had sorry um steve's steve at steve tims yeah tims uh-huh you know just i can't think all the names right now and then what but, about uh the head shop head shops around back then or no uh clyde was doing a lot of the heads right but guy Bryant did all ours and um lonnie reed out there at this time or is this 80s and he's gone i think he's, i think he was still here was he yeah and so you're there, you're working, you work out of that place. What makes you leave small car? Um, can't got a divorce. And so away went all the money. Yep. That sucks. Yeah. He, his wife wanted everything. So he just said, he walked away from it all. Wow. It was a bummer because it was a very lucrative business. What so. year was this? 1990. And that's when you stopped working there when like the whole thing. So, so what's that like? Like you're in this bustling, busy shop. Well. I show up for work at six o'clock because I'm always the only one there at six mm-hmm. o'clock because I run the shipping department, right? And Ken opens the door on me and says, we're closing the doors, get your stuff. And I'm like, what? And I had like 
four or five motors at home, parts. I had the startup stand. I go, what about all the stuff at the shop? Whatever. So I got my stuff and sat outside and waited for the other employees to show up. And we're all like, and the bummers, I had uh, profit sharing and all that. I lost all that. Wow. So yeah, it was a bummer. Yeah. And then I'm like, what am I going to do? Because I have to have something to do. So then I started working for DPR. So you knew the guys from DPR because you'd buy cranks and Absolutely. stuff Absolutely. Yeah, we'd buy, shit, six or eight, ten cranks a week from them, it seemed like. So you end up headed over to DPR, start working over there, getting on that side of the business. What, what do you notice difference about that? Does it help you with a better understanding in engine building? Um, not really. I mean, you know, pretty much everything he did, I already knew, mm-hmm. you know. But for me, my experience is just years of doing. I mean, like over the years, you learn what you can do and what you can't do. And for like, especially a drag motor. Yeah. Know, so to make what, them live and not live. What, what's one of the biggest, what's the most important lesson you learned early on building engines? Well, what the problem we had with, Ken had a Puma at first. And we had like a four course. I remember the small car Puma. Remember that Puma? What happened to it? I think he still has it. Somebody told me they saw it off in storage or off saw the freeway somewhere. Oh, wow. Um. We ran too much oil, too heavy oil. You know, the oil didn't have a chance to warm up, so the rod bearings would go out. So we went a little thinner oil, no, you know, real small sump, a little bit more oil pressure, a little bit more side clearance on the rods, and the rods started lasting longer. So, so things like this that from oil, trial and error, oil like, has to move. If it doesn't because normally get out, the, the the thought process, I, I think everybody from the machinist st- standpoint thinks like the tighter the tolerance is, the better the performance. Well, Gene Berg thought that. So he'd run like a five or ten weight oil and run real tight side clearance but oil has to get in do its job and get out right because it burns if it doesn't yeah because so if it just stays there it, and that's the trouble we were having the oil wasn't getting out fast enough so i got the point on the chevy rods or porsche rods back then we were actually 45 on the edge of the bearings and going a little bit bigger in the clearance you were chamfering the side so that oil, oil could, could get, get out oh get out get out yeah. get in through the center and then oil comes in through the center yeah. pressurized yeah and uh but you gotta be careful because then you load the back side of the piston with oil and Makes it's that it much work yeah so gotta try to find that the happy medium. And it makes more blow by and more. So those are some of the things that you, that you realized early on. What do you think has been one of the biggest developments uh, in the in the early 70s, 80s for, like, what was a game changer? Like, oh, this just happened. This has been a game changer in the well, engine building. Well, and it wasn't 70s or it might have been 80s, but Jack and his 62 millimeter carburetors. Big game changer? Yeah, because we do a dyno. I'd build a big motor and put on the dyno. It'd make 212 horsepower. Build another big motor, put on the dyno, it'd make 215 horsepower. It, we were stuck, no matter what we did, because they'd run themselves out of fuel. I mean, especially in a quarter mile. I had a Manx that was only like 165 horsepower. It was a street motor, and it ran 11 teens and 127 miles an hour. But I had IDAs on it, mm-hmm. and I found out I put air cleaners on it. I picked up like three miles an hour. By putting air cleaners on it? Because the air was run over the top of the banks and blowing all the fuel off top of the carburetors and starving the motor. So oh. I put air cleaners on it and that fuel, you know, because like, you know they blow fuel straight It atomizes, up. yeah. And creates I, a vacuum and just pulls it right out of the Venturi and, or the, uh, and, the velocity stack. Because that fuel needs to go back in. Sure. So it made a big difference. So that's when we learned, well, hey, you know, and then you can jet a car and a big, big motor, no matter what you got for a fuel pump with a stock IDA, they'll run themselves out of fuel at the end, you know? Yeah. No, and then we, it's crazy. Yeah, there's a there's a there, well, there's a lot of those little intricacies that make the difference. Yeah, when I you're mean, Jack started adding on to the 48s, the float balls, you know, and then he went to the 62s, and I mean, he went from 240 250 to 320 by these huge carburetors. And who would think a you know 2500 c volt side could take that kind of carburetion? You know, it's huge. Yeah, but 
It's all about getting it in and getting it out. It worked. And so with you now going to DPR Machine, you're working there. How many years you put in over there? I did about four years there. Yeah. And uh, from there, I started working at the machine shop next door with my stepdad. And I couldn't do that anymore. So I worked out of my garage buying and selling cars and redoing them for about sure. 10 years. I really? mean, it was great till I got in trouble with the city. And that kept you busy. And then when your neighbors got mad that you were. It wasn't even one of my neighbors. It was somebody from another another neighborhood. She saw me work on a car and complain. And the city came in. And the only thing they got me for was DMV. Because I'd buy a car. Right. And pass it off with the same pink slip. Right. Would not put the title in your name. Because I told the guy, I go. It takes two days to register a car in my name. I don't have that kind of time. If I could just mail it in and mail it back, you know, I don't mind paying the money. Right. Just I can't afford two days. You're flipping them that quick. Yeah. I was doing three a month. What are you doing? Volkswagens? Only. Really? I've never done anything but a Volkswagen. Really? So you buy a Volkswagen, get it, clean it up? I could buy them. This would have been Your favorite was buy buy them with a broken shift rod linkage? I could buy. This is early 90s, right? I'm driving around my daughter. She just turned 16. And there's a Volkswagen for sale on the road. $200 $200 for a 68 and I drove it home for 200 wow. bucks. Yeah. So I could get a paint job for $160 seat covers for 50. I'd redo the motor for nothing, you know, make it look fancy and clean up all the glass and make it look pretty and sell for $2,500, $3,000 and do three a month. It was awesome. That's all yeah. I was doing. It was and fine. So then that, so then the, 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 the story is bureaucracy, bureaucracy ruins your home base business. <laughs> yep. And then where do you go now for work? So you're like, well, I got to go get a day job. So where do you head now? Well, that's when I worked for my my father-in-law again for a couple of years. So I went back to working in a machine yeah. shop. Yeah. Doing? Um, order desk and just taking care of inventory and that kind of stuff. It was boring. Yeah. As I say, because you look like, because, you know, building an engine, it's like, it's like you have these small milestones at work. You'll get this motor done and then yeah. another one. So there's kind of a little bit of a variety. I'm the kind of person from the time I wake up to the time I go to bed, I have to be doing something. Yeah. It drives my wife nuts, but. That's just the way I am. Yeah, you stay going. But um, and then I, and then from him, my buddy, my little buddy Tom Smith, is the one that said, "Hey, you got to go talk to Russ about a job." So I kind of cruised over, and I knew Russ because I'd bought parts from him sure. before. And next thing you know, I'm working here. Full sail on that last 17 years ago, and now I'm going to retire. So, so that's 17 years ago. You started working believe, for Russ. 17 years. And ago. in the past 17 years. Shoot, I'm trying to think when I met Russ. Well, I met Russ, it had to be 99, I think it was, 99 or 2000, because I was at the Pomona swap meet, and I was building my bus, and I was putting some 17-inch wheels on it, and I started talking to this guy next to me. He had that old business card, which I still have in my bus, and uh, I I traded him a 911 five-speed for the 944 bearing spacers. <laughs> Yeah, good deal. Hey, Russ is a man though. He's a tweaker. Good, I mean, tell you, he knows. He can but, come up with anything. But he, does, you know, he does, that's what you know. He said you can use these and put nine forty four brakes on your bus. And I said, dude, I'm all about that. And that was I finished that bus in two thousand one, I think it was. And that's the first time I'd met Russ. And he's always been, which we're gonna have Russ on the podcast here in the near future. But Russ has always been a guy that that like is always thinking about engineering something different. He is amazing. Yeah, I mean, we'll get a we'll get a new carburetor that won't work right, and after about two hours, I'm like done with it. You know, I just run it ready to put a new carburetor on. He'll take that carburetor, take it apart, and look at it and play with it, and three hours later, it'll be running. Yeah, he always manages to find it. You know, no, so. he's got he's got a lot of that. So and so then you end up over here, and here you do most. You pretty much do all the motors. I've here. done almost 700 motors in 17 years for us. 700 motors. 
Well, now let's let, let, let's start talking about some motors because, of course, I'm down here because I'm I'm having a motor built for Zorb, <laughs> Zorba the Gia, and uh, and she's called Zorba the Gia because she's blue and white like the Greek flag. I'm Greek, so therefore it's Zorba the Gia. But uh, I, I looked at the car and I started assessing. Okay, what do I want to do? You know, I want I want a motor that's got some torque. I don't, you know, I, I've got a 20, 2276 sitting there and I thought I'll put this in there and then it's got wedge port heads and all that stuff. And then you start looking at that, the deck height of the trunk lid and you're like, what am I, how am I sandwiching all this stuff in that location? And then I remember talking to my brother, George, and he says, man, Russ does want that Russ does those big stroker single ports. And I said, you know what? All I care about is torque. Torque is what you feel. You know, torque what moves the Volkswagen. Yeah. And of course so it doesn't mean much. I'm down here. Let's talk about those motors for a minute. So, the the Stroker single ports. Whose whose idea is that? That was Russell's. And so, at first, I was against it because of the stock carburetor. Right. You thought like, where? Why put all this money into this where it's just gonna? Well, my experience because on both of my bay windows, I used to pull my CDs to the river. Yeah. And I had twenty three hundred one of them and twenty two hundred the other, and I'd be in a hundred and fifteen degree deep. 115 degree day pulling my CDs on a freeway and people thought I was nuts but you know what I could make them live but single port there's not enough air fuel mixture to cool them yeah you know that's why we automatically do a cooler system and a this and a that where like your type 3 has got to do a carburetor so it'll definitely be better because air and fuel cools them down like if my bus would get, be getting hot going up a grade you could just mash your foot to the floor and it would actually cool down because yeah. it's getting more fuel and more air so the stroker's how many of those have you guys built single port strokers? You think? Wow, is it like the new hip thing? Like it's well, all the bus guys want their motor to look the same, right? But they want a stroker motor. I've built 1955 stroker 40 horse looking motors. Really? Yeah, we have trouble with them running hot though because the intake manifolds are so small. Yeah, I probably probably uh, close to half of the 700 motors I've done have been stroke have been the single, single port ports, strokers, yeah. and That's we do crazy. a lot of. We, you know, we do those. I do very few stock motors anymore. We just don't. That's just something we don't sell anymore. We do the strokers, and then we do big motors. Now, what's your what's your favorite motor combination? Seventy eight ninety four. Yeah. Twenty one sixty five. Twenty one seventy five. Actually. Yeah. Why? Um, perfect rod angle. They rev really good. They last a long time. It's just I had a my sixty two had a seventy eight ninety four with a set of um, Clydeberg heads on it. A lot of compression, 51s. I drove it every what do you day. Run, what do you run for compression? Uh, it was 12 and a half to 1, but I run race gas. I ran race gas. And I was only like five miles from work. All so. right. Okay. We're talk- <laughs> All of a sudden, we started talking about thoroughbreds, and he brings out the unicorn. I'm like, no, wait was, a second. It, it was a drag motor. The, the car ran. So um, if, if you're going to, would you build a 2165 for the street? I'm actually going to build one for my wife's car. Mm-hmm. She's got a, a convertible, and I have a five speed, which I'm putting a five speed Berg in it. Yeah. And I'm going to build a, a 7894. About ten and a half to one with a FK nine in it because the gears in my tranny. A K eighty nine because you can run a lot of compression on the FK nine. Yeah, but a K eighty nine comes on at like thirty five hundred. Yeah, but it's super. It's a clo- five speed tranny with super close gears. Huh? She'll get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so if you're building, let's say, let's say someone says, Stacy, I want the best all around motor, best you know, just best all around performance. I want that DBK look, but I want I want because I've I've driven a couple of the cars uh, that you've done the motors for Pip for, and the motors are pretty stout. Normally he does like a twenty three thirty two or he, it depends. I mean he builds a lot of things. Like I've been building a lot of twenty five horse. I'm actually building that a nineteen forty nine aluminum case twenty five horse for him right now. 
dude, it's the coolest thing. Yeah. I mean, it's the oldest one. I've done, wow, I've done all kinds of weird motors for him. You know, just whatever he drags over. Like, yeah. I have a, I have a three liter at the house right now I'm building for him, too. It's a high roof, huge just a, stroke, just a big 101. Monster. Yeah. Just. Yeah. So the, the, the motor you're building, the motor that you're building, um, the ideal motor, give me the setup. So what case are you using? Well, I want to use a Volkswagen case. I like Volkswagen cases. I, case. I use an AS21. Mm-hmm. I think it's a better material. And this is a thick back, no fuel pump case. Where do you find AS21? Are they making them still? No. No. You got to find them. You can't even buy a new case right now. So are you okay with line bore in a case? Oh, absolutely. I mean, for my own personal, I don't like anything bigger, bigger than 40. But, I mean, I'll build them, you know, whatever. Because nowadays, we're running short of cases. So, but... um. Here, I'll pause it for that. So give me your ideal engine combo. Uh, mine is, I mean, for, it depends on what you're doing, but for an all-around l- longevity heat, mm-hmm. 784, 94, which I don't know if you can even get a 784 anymore. You probably can. The reason it came out 784 is that's the way the machine, because. I was going to say, why? Well, because he'd start out with stock crank, and then like a 74 would be like six turns up, and then a 78.4 was 10 turns up. It's just how the cr- machine turned out. Right. That's how they did it. So, oh, that's interesting. I never knew that because yeah. it was a lot oh, of every, every stroke is just he would just turn the novels up to make the crank turn offset more. It was a trip, yeah, yeah. But 74, I'm running a 74 with 94 SEMAs because mm-hmm. they make less heat, they make good power. I'm running H beam rods. Um, I have a set of huge street eliminators, and I'm only gonna run 48 DeLauros just because they fit under the hood. Now, street eliminators versus the uh, wedge ports. Um, these are old street eliminators because when I worked at small cars, we, the combination between small cars and CB performance, we designed this for original street eliminators. Oh, really? Yeah. And the first batch, we had a lot of trouble. We had a whole pallet that were not hard enough. The seats were falling out. So Ken had to eat all those. But then after they got that figured out, um, and they changed the exhaust port a little bit because they had exhaust issues for a while there. But these are the really nice ones. And um, I like them. They're good heat. You know, I've never had trouble. People say, oh, they run hot, but I have not had a heating problem with them. So, And so uh, what cam you're running, something like that? I am going to run an 89 in this one with um, the 200,000 longer valves, one for bird rockers, going for some lift. So you're going with longer valves so you can get more lift. lift. With that, the springs lift longer because you're not smashing the springs so hard. And then you're going to have notch pistons or what's a yeah. compression? It, I'm going to run 10 and a half, but this will have to be notched. Okay. Because 10 and a half, you can get away with pump gas, mm-hmm. you know, with that big a cam. Um, it'll probably make, I mean, I've had motors similar to that one. Yeah, it'll probably make upwards of 170 to 190, 185 horsepower, somewhere in there, and be drivable. 190 horsepower and drivable in the Arizona, your second home in your Arizona. Well, it's here in Long Beach. Oh, but. it's going to be here in Long Beach? <laughs> And this is going to that Baja of yours? No, no, no. It's going to my wife's convertible. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. Nice. But she never drives. I'm the only one that drives the thing. But and so, what do you have? What, what do you have in the stable right now? What's in the lineup? Uh, I have a Hormega. H- Hormega. <laughs> What's a Hormega? Uh, you got to look it up. It's the ugliest truck Volkswagen ever made. They made about 3,500 of them. Is that like it looks it's like it front, looks like an Amphiba truck type it's thing? It's the front motor, front wheel drive. The motor you're sitting on top of the motor, and it's front wheel drive. Yeah. They're super, super ugly, but I have one of those in the paint shop right now. And uh, I have a Type 3 square, uh, square back, which is I'm picking up the paint shop this weekend. I have a couple of 68 fastbacks, which are down the road. So you, what year is your square back? It's a late model. It's a 73. I ended up with it, 
and it was so straight I had to put a paint job on it. It's one of those cars where you're like, oh, I'll just buy this and flip it. And you're but, like, man, but it's you super know nice. Super it is. Tray. It is. The interior was super clean. I just repainted it, and I, I got a- uh, What 21. color is it? It's red. And I mean, it's red. Yeah, yeah. It's red, not red. red. It's red. Like dark, dark, ruby yeah, red. Yeah. And I have a 2110 already built for it, and I have a freeway flyer, 344 ring and paint training for it. And so, you keep it all pancake? Yes. What's your carb setup are you going to do? I have 45s. So you've never done 45 DeLordos? Putting the big birds in there, huh? Some big, some big business, and you don't, and you don't have, you, you don't think you'll have any issues with that thing cooling, staying nice and cool. Um, no, because it's all. I don't think so. Yeah, it's got a big cooler under it, and it's only a car, you know, so it's not like I'm pulling anything. Never mess with the injection. You know, uh, like I have not got into that yet. I would love to because I had a, um, I have a big turbo motor home. I'd love to put injection on, and I have actually a turbo setup for my wife's convertible, but I've never put it on because I tried through the blow. The blow through setup, and I didn't have real good luck with it. I, you know, I like the feel of a draw through, and maybe it's the teenager buried inside me that I like the big look of the big side draft carb hanging off the back of the car and let everybody know, like, don't get too close because you might get bit. <laughs> but uh, you were talking earlier about some of the street racing days, what you guys used to do back in the day over here. What were you running on the street, and where would you guys go to race? We used to meet on Lamar Boulevard and Beach Boulevard. There was used to be a, a what year Target. Is this? Wow, would have been seventies, um, early eighties. Yeah. And what are you running? What's your car? I had a sixty-two with a with a seventy-eight ninety-four motor. What's the wheels and stance in this thing? Uh, it had stock wheels. Uh-huh. It was factory blue. A license plate said plane wrap on it. Had a killer locker spool tranny in it. With yeah. Big ass motor. It ran high 11s. Wow. I ran around the street, drove on the street with six inch slicks on it. And, uh, but I wasn't that far from work. So, and so I, you drove it with slicks. This is when you worked at small cars. And a solid spool rear end. So you go around the corner. And just, yeah. Yeah. Chirp, 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 chirp. That's insane. We used to have parking lot drags. I don't know if you've ever been to small cars the way they were. Uh-uh. We had an alley similar to this one, but a little bit longer. And every night after work, man, we had parking lot drags. It was awesome. And those and those were the motors. Now, did you build trannies too, or you just built the no, engines? No, I've never got a trannies because of the stink. Yeah, my can't stand the gear Sammy on. from Rancho, when he first started out, he had a little tiny shop over next to Kwell, and I used to go over there and I'd walk in that shop, and it was like, and he says you can't get rid of it. He says I bet if he went to that shop today, which he's been out of that shop for thirty years, he says it still smell like gear oil. It's, it's just gear oil is the worst. It's just it's, it's a one. And, pungent odor my wife i don't tear motors apart in long beach i take them to arizona and take them apart yeah because my wife doesn't want the mess with the smell putting yeah. putting together motors is nice because everything's clean but she does not want the greasy smell the oil that's one of my limits at home yeah this is only so much you can do yeah but in arizona i can do whatever i want make as much noise as i want <laughs> now you're you're planning to retire soon you were saying i'm actually starting uh social security in about a month yeah and i'm gonna cut my hours and i'm still gonna work yeah. And I'm working at home too. But, but I mean, you, you enjoy what you do. Correct. I just don't want to come to work every day anymore. Right. That's bottom line. You just want to pick the days. You I want work. to be able to like when I like on a Saturday I'm working at home, I get up early. I worked about noon and like, ah, you know, I'm gonna take a lunch break. Take a lunch break, kick back in my booth, take a little snoozer with my cat, and get back up for, for a couple more hours. Yeah. It works. You know, no. I'm, I'm not on a schedule. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that's really the, the, the freedom of where you want to be and what you're doing makes yeah. all the difference. Because I'm very self-motivated. I don't need somebody to tell me what I need right. to do. You're so. not the guy that's like, hey, let's make sure he does his job. Well, we've had people work here where you have to come up behind them and like, give them a nudge because they get stuck. Yeah. They just they don't know what to do next. It's interesting to watch the, the next generation of people. Uh, 
And I'm sure with your business, you've had things. way more than that. Well, they're, 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 they're non-existent, you know, they yeah. don't, uh, those people don't exist. Like there's, there's no, they never got yelled at by their old man. They See, never I work, got, I know. started out working for my dad. Let me tell you, my yeah. dad had his finger about, you know, <laughs> My so. son could say the same thing about me because he had to work with me in the garage, and he got the typical yell yelling at while holding the flashlight and all that kind of stuff. But uh, hey, but you know what? It works. Yeah, it you does. Know? My my kid today, man, he's he's been in the workforce for just a couple of years, and he's one of my most responsible employees that I've had. Okay. I mean, he, he runs the guys like nobody's business. I just that was a hard thing when I had my own shop. I had my own shop for about uh, probably about eight to ten years, also. Yeah, and I ended up trying to do everything by myself because you cannot find somebody. That'll work. Yeah, that's where George is at. My brother at his shop. It's just like trying to get somebody good over there. Is like, and if you're not watching luck. them, yeah. you know, that's like. I mean, I love Russ, and I mean, I watch these guys around here. You know, but I can't say anything. So, well, listen, it, it's tough. Anytime you get more, anytime you get more than a couple people, it's just it's. If you can get everybody on the same page and everybody doing everything, then you have a place no. called Small Car. Yeah, but I mean everybody does their job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I mean, it's just different. It's just something's different today, yeah. you know, than it, than it used to be back in the day. But you know, the 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 great thing is in this hobby that we all get to enjoy. No matter what background we come from or what generation we grew up in, we all have the same sickness for these cars. You know, like you're talking, you've got the square back. You've got two uh, fastbacks, two fast, two fastback future projects. A Baja, my convertible, my Hormega. <laughs> yeah, and it's like that's what my wife that she's like. My wife said to me yesterday, she says, "I am so glad that you don't get tired of women as much as you get tired of cars." I said, "It's not that I'm tired of them. It's like I each one I have a purpose to do with. Like I bought that one to just flip it and sell it, and you know, make it nice. I bought it. I can, and I never sell stuff and just make a killing. I get, I pass on a good deal to somebody else that somebody else can get started in the hobby." And, um, that's how I felt every car I saved. I mean, I did almost 200 cars yeah. that probably would end up. I had a guy who owned a, worked for a, a salvage yard mm-hmm. and it was cars. They found the side of the freeway and stuff. And he would just, you know, call me up and I'd come get them because the next stop was get smashed Yeah, and I'd make them run. So back to the street racing a little bit, who, who were like you, what would a typical Saturday night look like? We'd go hang out. And uh, back then, you know, the guys with the V8 cars that ran, you know, 14s and 15s would come looking for somebody to race. And, and this is on Beach Boulevard? Well, we wouldn't race in Beach Boulevard. We'd find a side street. Somewhere. Right. And But uh, you'd meet up where? Where was the meetup spot? Like where? Behind but, Nabisco. And, yeah. you know, there was just different streets. I couldn't even remember them all. So, now, like, but, if you're in the know of street racers, you know where everybody's meeting because it's a well, constant. Well, we met moving. at Target, uh-huh. you know, because everybody would hang out there and not race there, but hang out there. But it was fun, though, because you'd pair up with some guy in a V8's got some slicks on I think he's got the you know fastest car in town and just slap him around a little bit you know make, yeah. you, make you keep going and not want to go back you know and then uh, and then after a while people would stop racing you well yeah and then V8's got faster and there was faster cars and and then you remember Spoke yeah t- I've heard stories about a guy named Spoke give give me so Spoke who, who is Spoke Spoke he's Super nice guy. Yeah. Volkswagen enthusiast. Uh-huh. He had uh, a turbo bug, one of the first cable turbo bugs. Yeah. And he used a straight rest street race. And I've seen them. We used to go to Alameda. And I mean, this is in the 80s. And see, two guys lay out suitcases of like 10, 15 grand a piece to really? race. And he would just, that Volkswagen would, even big V8 guys, he, you know, he had a 10 second freaking bug back then. 
You know. So what are these guys doing? Ten fifty thousand. We talking about drug dealers back then, or are these guys? Uh, Shh. <laughs> don't tell me. Man, this is the eighties, bro. This is the eighties. Hey, but, Spoke would show up in small car. Yeah. I always had two bodyguards with him because he's a little guy, and he'd throw a suitcase on the counter and open it up, and it would be just full of cash. Really? Yeah. I need this. I need that, and just pick off a spile. So, but but he became kind of a legend in street racing because. He spent whatever it cost to be the fastest on the street. And absolutely. And I mean, one day the cops came and everybody split and they started chasing him. He got on the, on the, I guess the 110 freeway there. Mm-hmm. He said he was in high gear, almost at red line with a turbo car running from these cops. He got so far ahead of him that he got off a freeway and came around, back around. That's when his car changed colors. It used to be blue and now it's black the next day. And it was, uh, name of it was, uh, Something to play on the side of it. Something to play. I can't remember what the name of it was, but it went from blue to black overnight. Really? Because the cops knew it was a blue. And car. what year is this? This is the eighties. I think it would have been the eighties. Yeah. So but, probably mid to late eighties. Yeah. But you figure a turbo car, the way they're geared on the yeah. freeway at Red Line. Yeah. You know, he's doing one hundred and forty miles an hour on the freeway, maybe more. Oh yeah. You know, back then, it's crazy. That's insane. Yeah. And sad thing about Spoke is he got killed street racing, but not in his car. Some guy had a brand new car. He said, hey, drive my car. You know, so they took off and he was just going to make a pass with it. And he lost control, ran to a bunch of parked cars, bunch of parked cars, no seatbelt, nothing. And it killed him. Really? Yeah, it was very sad. Well, you know, Jack Segetti got in a really bad car wreck behind the old, our old small car service center. There was a street behind there we used to race on. And Jack was driving somebody else's car, making a pass with it. The thing got squirrely, ran to a telephone pole. He's got a big old scar because he had a bunch of stitches in his face and just, Turn this car inside, knock the pole down. Wow. The pole cost him. You can talk to him about that pole. That pole cost yeah, him. Yeah, well, we're going to get Jack Skitty on the podcast. We're going to talk to him about it because he said his first job, he told me his first job he had, he was working at small car cutting beams, yeah. chopping up beams, and he was getting paid piecework. And then his first car was that Fiat. Yeah. And, and he built the first one, I think, and I built me a couple motors for it, or one or two. I can't remember back then. It was just a 1776, but a little bitty Fiat that he could barely get in because Jack's a big boy. Yeah. Wasn't as big as he is now, but. And uh, the car ran mid to low 11s all day long because it didn't weigh 1,200 pounds with him in it. Right. With a 1776 in it. So we took my, I had a 1914. It was in my street, one of my street cars. It made 192 horsepower through a muffler on our dyno. It was a big 1914. So we put it in there and he ran 1117, 127 or something with my street motor. You know, because he blew up his 1776. We needed a motor. So we just took it out and plugged it in. Wow. Went racing. That was fun days though because we, but that was the days when, like, my my sixty two, you you'd have to like you could make so many passes, you could just make a pass, get back in line, make another pass. You had to, like stop and let your car cool down. Right, because not a lot of people racing. I mean, you could make pass after pass. Not get, a lot of people oiling down the track. You could get. I mean, it was nothing to get seven or nine passes when you went out there. It was fine. Now, last time I took my convertible to drags, I think I made two passes. Yeah, yeah. it takes a little bit of. Well, what's your convertible run? Um, I had real tr- bad trouble getting tires to hook up. Mm-hmm. I ran 13 flat, 103. Which we were talking there. You go, oh, it's only 13. 13s <laughs> is fast. 13s yeah. is really fast. Like, I don't care who you are. If you have a car that you can drive and it runs 13 second quarter miles, that's a fast moving car. Not, you know? not nowadays, though. But what I mean, we're, yeah. we're not, not drag cars, yeah. but if it's no, a it, street it's car. Correct. That's a fast car. But I mean, cars nowadays, I mean, my wife drives a Macan S, you know, yeah. dual turbocharged V6. And I mean, that car is amazing. Ridiculously. Well, it's all the computer keeping the thing straight and, and oh, hooking. Oh, yeah. I mean, that car is amazing. But just the, just the power they can get. And it gets 
26 miles a gallon on the road. You know, it's crazy. So what makes you hang up your street racing days? Um, Common sense, probably. <laughs> yeah. Just realize you don't want to get arrested for street well, racing. Well, you know what happened, too, is they started impounding cars. Yeah. You know, and we've been in Nabisco, and Nabisco was a cul-de-sac, and there was no way out. So the cops blocked off the road. You're done. You're, you were stuck. You know, and then they started harassing us and taking people away, and... You know, so we just kind of. So besides Spoke, who were some of the names that were out there in the street racing? Sketty was out there racing? Uh, a little bit, not much. Jack who was, was really on. the bad boys club? Like you had Spoke. You it got... was Spoke and, and then uh, some of the guys he hung out with. And he'd race a lot of V8 guys. He'd only pick on the V8 guys. Oh, really? Yeah, the big Camaros and, you know. the. Guys. But was it all like dudes from Compton? Like Compton, Watts area, stuff like that? Dude, it was scary. When you see Spoke's bodyguards are like, you know, 253 or well, 300 pounds a piece. Right. And you know they're packing. Right. You're late, you know, each guy, there's 20 grand of cash on the hood of these cars, and it's like winner take all, you know. Yeah. So they make a pass, and whoever wins, they take both suitcases and they're on their way out, you know. So it's like, it was scary. Really? Yeah. Any gun battles or any of that kind of stuff break out? No, back then everybody was pretty cool about so it. Everybody's pretty they're chill. out there to have fun. They're out I mean, there to race. race. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I was on the freeway. I have a, I, a couple years ago, I had an SRT8 Jeep pretty fast. I'm on the freeway. Here comes a four-door Caprice next to me on 22-inch wheels, right? It's a donk, donk machine. And the dude runs up on me, and he's like, rah. Like, he just starts getting on the gas. I'm like, let me just shut this guy down real quick. And this freaking dude ate my lunch. He ate. We're rolling on the freeway, and this guy in this four-door Caprice when he gets ahead of me, I see he's got an aluminum fuel tank underneath the back of it. And this is a donk, bro. So th- these are boys from the hood that can run, that they build stuff to run. They can make so much horsepower out of a, out of a small block Chevy anymore. I mean, it's nuts. Yeah, I mean, look crazy. at the Hellcat, 800 and some horsepower oh, yeah. on pump gas. They're insane. It's crazy. Well, I, listen, I appreciate you sitting down with me, man. Let me it's get to hear, hear some of your story. I think it's uh, it's interesting. I, I know you've been around the block a few times. If you guys haven't been down to Paramount, California – while the man is still here, you can stop by and, and mm-hmm. visit the world famous Stacy Size Love. Hey, appreciate right. that. Size Love. That's the guy <laughs> you're going to come down here and ask for Size Love. I need some Size Love. <laughs> but uh, I man, that. I you know, and uh, I'm sure you, you're on Facebook and all that stuff. Uh, I'm on Facebook. I don't do Facebook very much. I do Instagram. Okay, but yeah. you're on Instagram. What's yeah. your What's your Instagram handle? Um, Stacy's VWs. Stacy's VWs. Stacy with an S. VWs. Like it. Like it. Yeah. Well. Stacy, thanks, man, for coming on the podcast. Appreciate it, man. All right, buddy. Thanks. Later. I hope you guys enjoyed that podcast. Make sure you show your support by picking up some merch to support your favorite podcast. Also, get your butt out to Vegas, man. We're about to kick it off tomorrow. So it's one crazy weekend going down this weekend with Let's Talk Dubs, The Wagon, Finley VW, Pedal Works, Dan Volks, The Lab, all our sponsors. Nevada Off-Road Buggy. Plenty of people helping get this event to you, and uh, I really appreciate all the efforts everybody's put into making this a successful event. And if you guys missed it, there's always next year. Until next week, guys. Later.